are tuning in to the Love Breezy Bree Yoga podcast. My name is Bree, and you can find me at lovebreezybreeyoga.com. Check out the show notes for more information, including a link to my website. Thank you so much for listening. Namaste. Hello, everyone. If you are listening to this episode, you might have some sort of interest in becoming a yoga teacher. So I've actually been wanting to talk about this for a while on the podcast. I am frequently asked about what it's like being a yoga teacher, what yoga teacher training programs do I recommend, and any other insider tips that I can share with potential yoga teachers. So I'm not sure if this one episode will actually be all-inclusive, but we might just begin the conversation. So let's delve right in. And the studio that I manage and teach at, we actually have a very successful yoga teacher training program. And what I love about it is it is a very detailed, in-depth program. It is actually accredited through the Yoga Alliance and it's 200 hours. However, when I first started practicing yoga, the Yoga Alliance or any 200-hour program that you'll see today to certify teachers was actually not really a thing. Teachers usually became yoga teachers by will and dedication and just getting the opportunity. So you really didn't see a lot of yoga teacher training programs. And when you started seeing them populate, They were typically in very specialized disciplines, whether that be Kundalini or Iyengar, Ashtanga, or even Bikram. Now, programs or disciplines such as the Ashtanga discipline actually required you being sort of blessed, in a sense, by those who came before you. So you usually had to practice with an Ashtanga teacher that was trained in Mysore, India, if not having to actually travel to Mysore yourself and become certified, so to speak, and I using air quotes because there's not really a certification program that's recognized or licensed by any state entity, so to speak. But essentially, you were given the opportunity to teach that lineage by proxy and by way of, I should say, of that lineage itself, right? So... That was sort of the way that you became a yoga teacher. You studied with a yoga teacher and then they typically gave you an opportunity to teach. And it reminded me a lot of like the karate kid. (laughs) So you sort of just trained with your master. And if your master felt that, you know, you were given this gift of teaching, then voila. Now, do not take to heart all this terminology that I'm using, like blessed and master and things of that nature. I hope you get the general idea that I'm trying to present here. So there wasn't really this way of kind of pumping out yoga teachers through a system that we see today. So there are some pros and cons to that. Now, one of the pros is is there were more opportunity to become this really deep practitioner 
before becoming an actual teacher. Whereas today, you could actually become a yoga teacher if given the opportunity without having a lot of practice behind you. Now, when the 200-hour certification process or whatever, if you want to call it certification or you just want to call it um, authorization or however you want to word that, when this 200-hour process became to what we know today, it actually really started off with these immersions. So you could usually immerse yourself into yoga through like 100 hours or 50 hours. And I actually did a couple of really neat programs like that myself. And I never really intended on teaching yoga, but just really deepening my practice. I studied for about a year with a yogi who... I like to think of her as being like a true hippie nomadic yoga practitioner and teacher. And she would come and practice with me once or twice a week um, on average. And she kind of lived a very, you know, elusive lifestyle. So she would sometimes sort of go off and do her own thing. I also believe that she was a massage therapist as well. So she was in tuned with nature and was literally always barefoot. I think she even drove her car barefoot. Anyway, my point is, is that she was very, um, I think, wise to the practice of the eight limbs of yoga, Patanjali, Um, the sutras, you know, she taught from this place of truly delving deep into the philosophies and wanting me to understand all of that. Now, I had been practicing asana for a while and I hadn't really gotten into pratyama other than just understanding that I needed to have intentional breathing at the time. I don't even think I understood ujjayi breathing. And I definitely was just embarking in the concept of meditation. So just doing like five minute a day meditation practice was the name of my game back then. So she really taught me about the other limbs of yoga, the philosophy, the disciplines of yoga. And I loved it. Now, I wasn't in this specialized program. It was very one-on-one. Sometimes we would have other people there, but... It was literally private sessions is the only way I can describe it. Then I started to study with an amazing yoga teacher and yoga therapist, which is when I first realized that there was a difference of um, between, I should say, yoga therapy and just teaching yoga asana and sequencing classes for personal practice or studio practice. And she was amazing. She really specialized in back therapy, spinal therapy, you know, hips and shoulders and really teaching anatomy and how you can use yoga to balance the body and create more of a healthy body. And I took her actual immersion where I paid a set price and I had to show up a set time of the week and we had so many hours to do it and I believe it was like two and a half weeks intensive so I really enjoyed that and then I did another similar program that was sort of like a foreign destination program and I could have become I think a yoga teacher as we know it today where you go through yoga alliance and that sort of thing but that definitely was not my intention so I really didn't think about it 
And then, of course, I eventually did a full-on yoga teacher training. And I did some other stuff in between that. I did, like, a Pilo certification, which is, like, a branded Pilates yoga. I, of course, taught Zumba and dance and um, uh, coached gymnastics and cheerleading and all-star and all of that. But as it pertains to actually teaching this discipline of yoga and what we think of it today as... I didn't get into that until much later, and I don't think I ever would have, but the studio that I manage now, my good friend, I told her, if you ever do a yoga teacher training, I'm in. I will do it, and no questions asked, right? And basically, that's what happened, and even then, I wasn't sure if I was actually going to teach yoga. So I said all that because I really wanted to talk about the idea that today you can literally make the decision to teach yoga by simply going to a yoga teacher training program. And rather that prepares you to teach yoga or not, I really believe is all about where you are, who you are as a teacher prior to and as a student and practitioner of the discipline as well. And it's an ongoing process. So some of it requires you to allow yourself the compassion and patience and consistency to become the yoga teacher that you want to become to be able to facilitate rather it's studio classes or 101s or however it is that you want to bring this beautiful practice to the public. So we have a couple of different governing agencies that actually helps us to quote unquote become certified. Now this these agencies do not certify yoga teachers. Yoga teachers are so-called certified by the yoga schools that they attend using the guidelines set forth by this kind of governing agency. And it's really not a governing agency. It's really kind of an association of yoga teachers more than anything, but it's starting to metamorphosize <laughs> into more of, I think, this minimum requirement that yoga teachers sort of have to adhere to in order to be hired as yoga teachers by studios. So um, before this really started to become commonplace in the last just the last few years, to be really frank and honest. Before that, you would find yoga teachers opening up studios who maybe never went through a 200-hour program or weren't registered with Yoga Alliance. And I guess that's the best way to put it. It's a registry um, more than it's an association or I guess it's an association in a lot of ways, but it's definitely a registry and that's definitely how it started, but it is more or less becoming sort of a certifiable type of agency. Um, I don't know the future of Yoga Alliance, but you know, if it can set the minimum requirements for what it takes to become a yoga teacher and be able to register with them, then on some level, it's sort of a governing force, right? Even from a nonprofit perspective. So with that, there are a lot of yoga teachers who owned studios in the past that never had this 200 hour requirement or 
you know, were registered with even the Yoga Alliance. And there was even a time where there was a huge boycott against the Yoga Alliance just so it wouldn't become this governing force and kind of require that this beautiful, artful, very esoteric, yet scientific type practice could become this, you know, you need to teach this and you need to teach that. And so I can understand both sides of the argument. On one hand, you can't determine the success of a yoga teacher merely by 200 hours of training, right? But then on the other hand, we have to be responsible to the public. And the public is making a very huge assumption stepping into yoga studios that they're not going to be hurt and that even though they're signing a waiver, that they're not literally in danger from anything. So, you know, it's it's one of those things where it's like, do we do it this way or do we do it that way? And at this time, I can tell you that if you are going through a yoga teacher training program that isn't certified by the Yoga Alliance, it is going to be more challenging for you to get a yoga studio job without having some sort of background or I think network that allows you to teach in that studio. So it's not, and it's not something that I necessarily agree with. And not all studios are even going to only hire Yoga Alliance teachers. I believe studios will hire based on reputation if you've been teaching um, for a while or even just um, based on audition, based on your other background. I mean, if you're, let's say you're a physical therapist or let's say you are a personal trainer, or you um, do some other you know, physical discipline or modality, you know, maybe you teach martial arts, maybe you teach meditation, you know, maybe you're in the healing arts in some capacity. So I don't want to say that you have to go to a yoga alliance teacher training in order to get um, a job. But it is important that if you are thinking about becoming a yoga teacher, that you start to look and talk and ask the yoga studios that you would even be interested in teaching at what their requirements would be. And that's going to be a big determining factor of, of you attending a training program that is Yoga Alliance um, certified or registered or approved, okay? Now, they're not the only registry or association. There's also the Association of Yoga Therapists. And the Yoga Alliance actually cannot allow you to use the word therapist through their registry because the um, association, the International Association of Yoga Therapists has actually been around, I want to say, longer than the Yoga Alliance. I believe they've both been around since the 70s. But I could be wrong about that. I should be doing research before recording these, shouldn't I? But um, seriously, they um, have sort of an agreement that they're going to separate themselves in this way. So I'm actually registered with both because I've had certifications through yoga schools that are approved by both associations. So um, 
it's really important that you understand why and what type of discipline you're hoping to teach and who's the population you hope to teach to. So all those things have to come into mind when you're thinking about becoming a yoga teacher. So right now I'm just talking about all the practical stuff, right? You know, should you go to a yoga alliance teacher training? Should you take a teacher training that's 100% online, which would not be yoga alliance approved right now? Should you um, go through the International Association of Yoga Therapists and go through a program that is more geared toward that type of teaching? Should you um, go to a program that is several months long or an immersion where you are in it for two months or six weeks or one month? You know, all of these questions are things that you're going to have to sort of figure out for yourself. Do I think a program that is one year long is, you know, more sophisticated than a program that is six weeks long? Absolutely not. It's really what it is that you put into it is what you're going to get out of it. And also a lot of other determining factors in your life, cost, opportunity, time, you know, all of that is really important when you're considering teaching yoga or even just taking a yoga teacher training program. Now, let's say you're not sure if you want to teach yoga, should you still do the program? Well, I really miss the days of immersions. And if you live where you can go to a studio that has like a 50-hour, 100-hour immersion, I highly recommend that because you have the pressure of you teaching yoga taken away. And you can really just focus on the philosophy and your personal practice. Part of yoga teacher training is that, but a big part of it is the business of yoga, sequencing a yoga class, being a teacher, learning how to cue and communicate a class to students. And if you're literally not sure if you want to teach or you know you do not want to teach, it's really nice if you can skip all of that and maybe have the option to take it later, but not needing to kind of, I think, boggle your mind with all those little details and you can really delve deep into actually learning about deepening your practice. So that's one of the beefs I have with yoga teacher trainings are, is that they are really geared, obviously they're called yoga teacher trainings, right? But they're really geared toward teaching but yet they advertise toward deepening your practice as well. And you don't do a lot of physical practicing in yoga teacher training. So let's talk about that. <laughs> so what happens in yoga teacher training? Well, they're all different. Um, and we're only going to talk about the 200 hours because Yoga Alliance and a lot of other non-Yoga Alliance is still following this 200-hour concept. Sometimes you'll see 500 hours or you'll have it separated 200 hours and then the advanced certification, so to speak, is another 300 hours, giving you a total of 500. If you're becoming a yoga therapist, then you'll go all the way up to 800 hours sometimes a thousand hours. So right now I have a total of 700 hours. Okay. So I have, uh, my 200 hour teacher training plus another 500 hours. So I still need to finish, um, out my program, but it's done in modules and it's done over time. And so right now I consider myself to be five, 500 hours, 
um, because no one recognizes 700 hours. So 200, 500, 800, or 1,000 if you're in the yoga therapist side of things. Um, so it doesn't matter if you're 700 hours or you're in the middle of getting your full 800 or 1,000 hours if you're not there yet, okay? All right, so with all of that said, I want you to think about... Um, or I guess I was going to talk about, sorry, everyone. I was going to talk about what it's like being in teacher training. So as I mentioned, I've done uh, private 101s. I've done two immersions. I've done sort of um, a teacher training um, that was not Yoga Alliance. And then I've done um, Yoga Alliance teacher training. And then I've done International Yoga or International Association of Yoga Therapists teacher training. So I have a lot of views on all of it. My favorite of all time, other than the 101, and I really did enjoy the immersion, was my advanced teacher training because it was done in modules. So I was able to focus intensely for a small amount of time on one particular subject and then take a break and then take the next module. So that was my favorite. Um, but what is it like being in teacher training? Well, as I mentioned, there's a lot of different ones. There's, you know, you can go away to a foreign land for a couple of weeks or a couple of months, or you can extend it um, in your hometown, perhaps for several months. So there's lots of different ways. The disciplines do things very differently as well. So it really just depends on all of that. But one thing that they all pretty much share in common is teaching yoga philosophy. So you're going to learn, you know, Patanjali's yoga sutras, typically. You're going to learn about um, sequencing a yoga class, maybe not advanced sequencing, but you'll learn some general concepts. I don't feel like you learn enough about sequencing in most programs, but if you're taking the Ashtanga or Bikram yoga disciplines, then a big part of your training is going to be sequencing since those are set sequences, set series. But um, you'll learn the gist of why you sequence the way you sequence. You'll learn some anatomy and physiology. The more you know prior to going into yoga, the easier it is to kind of wrap your mind around it. But again, it's just very basic, especially in 200 hours. You will really spend a lot of time, I think, connecting the mind and body in your own discipline, in your own personal practice, so that you can take that into your teaching if you become a teacher. I don't think that the 200 hours in just Hatha-based teacher training is the same that you'll get in like a vinyasa-based teacher training. It's not going to be as in-depth and as really, I think, um, fine-tuned. And the reason is because you're able to really mesh and merge disciplines together. Hatha yoga is a very open concept when we think about it from an asana perspective. And then... Um, You'll also learn the eight limbs of yoga and you'll review them and have some discussions about that. So you'll learn a, you know, a good fair amount of philosophy, especially if you've been practicing asana and haven't really been practicing the philosophy of yoga before going into teacher training. Now, 
there used to be a time where you couldn't enter into teacher training until, and there's still studios that practice this, until you've been practicing for X amount of time or you've been a student there for X amount of time that they know you have a personal practice. Now you can definitely get the yoga teacher training certification without really being a practitioner. And this is something that I do have a little bit of concern with, but not enough for it to be like yay or nay. I do think that you can go through a really informative, robust teacher training program, develop a practice through that program as required with, you know, um, practical hours. And you can maybe um, bring other areas of your background into teaching yoga. However, I think it would be really challenging to do that without being a practitioner. Not only is it difficult to teach yoga when you're not actively practicing yoga, I cannot really imagine what it would be like to teach yoga or to enter into a teacher training without having had a practice prior to that was pretty in-depth, you know, maybe a good amount of hours of actually practicing yourself prior to entering the program. So rather you are required to or not, I highly recommend that. So I recommend that you really know what discipline you want to teach. You do research into what yoga teacher training program you would want and why that you make sure that you have the funds that allows you to really get the best teacher training program that you can afford and that you can spend the time and energy investing yourself into, that you talk to the studios or facilities or have an idea of what type of, I think, student or clientele that you would want to teach to if you became an actual teacher, that you have realistic realistic expectations of what it is to teach yoga, that you realize that it may not be a full-time job for yourself for a multitude of reasons, Um, not only because it's a bit challenging to make yoga a full-time job just financially, but it is very taxing on the mind and the body. You're always pouring into others. You have to make sure to really bring that back to yourself. But other than some of these very general ideas of what you should consider, if you have the calling and the awakening to want to share something so personal as yoga can be with others, I wholeheartedly, absolutely recommend that you follow that spirit, that you really shine your heart toward that dream and manifestation and really honor those intentions because even though it feels like there's a ton of yoga teachers and there's a ton of yoga studios, I can tell you firsthand there are tons of students who are not aware of the potential that yoga has to really transform their lives. And there's a ton of people who are yet to even practice. I can tell you at the studio that I teach at, we still have a ton of people that are very new to yoga, not just new to the studio. 
So there's definitely room. And I think the future of yoga is so promising, especially with yoga therapeutics, you know, yoga in hospitals, yoga in nursing homes, yoga in, you know, addiction clinics, yoga in schools, yoga for athletes, yoga in just pretty much every area that we can really think of. I think that there's a place where yoga is starting to pop up. Rather, it's the asana practice or meditation or breath work or any of the other limbs of yoga and this beautiful philosophy. So I really think that there are plenty of possibilities for every single person who has the gift of wanting to share their teaching with others about yoga to do so. Everyone brings their own flavor to the mat. And there are tons of students that just need that one teacher to give them an idea that they hadn't considered that can really transform their bodies. Today, after class, I had a yoga student come and tell me that she had recently been practicing out of state and that that teacher had taught her a way of getting into, or not getting into, but expanding her hip opener and really just waking up the body and three-legged dog. And she said that she hadn't been able to release tension and stress in her lower back. She hadn't been able to open up her hips like that. And this very simple move of kicking up the hill toward the sky and three-legged dog was able to release her hip in a way that she wasn't able to. And even though she didn't learn that from my class, she incorporated it in my sequence today as I was teaching and she wanted to share that with me and I told her this is what yoga is about it's about not only being able to learn something new from a phenomenal teacher that taught you something that just so resonated with you and your body but that you were able to utilize it in your practice in today's studio class, in community. And then that you decided to share that information with me so that I could maybe share that same information with my other students. And I really believe that we all have the opportunity to be students of yoga and teachers of yoga. So if this is something that you're being called to, I definitely think that you should consider it. I know that this episode was all over the place. I really didn't plan it. I just wanted to kind of talk about teaching yoga and what it means. And there's so many different areas that we could unpack. But I hope what you took away from this was that it's important to understand what your goals are as a teacher and then find a program that mirrors those goals. Now, rather that is a program that is through Yoga Alliance or through a different association or registry or governing, you know, concept, (laughs) or you just love this teacher's online program or something that's affordable, I say just do whatever your soul's called to. You will always be able to teach yoga. You can teach yoga in the park. You can teach yoga in recreation centers. You could teach yoga in your office. You could teach yoga for free. You could teach yoga for $5 for donation. You can build up your reputation, your teaching skills, your network. And I promise you, from a person who manages a yoga student, a yoga studio, if the teacher has the ability to share this beautiful philosophy in a way that 
is intentional and mindful and thorough and has the experience and, you know, hopefully even has a bit of a following. And you may have to take some time and spend energy on all of that prior to being hired somewhere. I can tell you that I would hire that teacher in a minute. I have seen teachers with all the certifications in the world not have the ability to connect with people, not be personable, not be, you know, able to convey the message in a way that is for all levels, doesn't know how to describe or break down postures or give adjustments or modifications or variations or sequence a class or transition between poses. All of this is so important. And so it's not so much about, you know, the yoga teacher training program, although very important. Please know the basic programs are just that basic. This is a lifelong practice. You are a lifelong student and you are called to a higher vibration when you are going to take this information and teach it to others. You need to really take your practice, your personal practice, really seriously. You need to be intentional with why you sequence the way you sequence, how you communicate this information in a way that is healthy and helpful to your students, that you are not just going literally with the flow, but that you have some intention behind going with the flow. You know, you are dealing with the general public. You do have to be mindful of, you know, teaching in such a way that it's more healthful and helpful than harmful and hurtful. So some of that comes with practice and time and consistency, but most of it comes from you being a student all of the time. Every opportunity you get, you're looking to learn and you want to be the best teacher that you can, whatever that means for you, bringing your own gifts to the mat. So I hope this answered or just opened up the conversation or gave you some things to process and think about. But please do share your gifts with us, with others, you know, start a podcast, start a blog, start a YouTube channel, go out and teach in your communities, figure out a way to share your gifts. And you do not have to go to yoga teacher training to start doing that today. I promise you. So think about that and let me know how it all goes. Thank you for listening. Namaste. I am so honored that you are listening to the Love Breezy Bree Yoga podcast. Never miss an episode. Download the free app on iTunes, Apple podcast, Spotify, or Stitcher. Please also rate the show with five stars. I would greatly appreciate that. Visit me on my website at lovebreezybreeyoga.com. I include free yoga sequences every single month. You can leave a comment or message me and we can connect. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful, wonderful personal practice. Namaste.